Welcome to Career View. This is the podcast where we ask questions you want to know when it comes to pursuing a career path. I'm your host, Nirija Shamal, and each episode, I will ask questions on behalf of students across the country from secondary schools and universities, what they want to know when it comes to pursuing their dream job. For today's episode, I'll be asking top questions that have been submitted by students on our Career View website who are interested in a career as an engineer. Joining me today is engineer Jack Seperovich, who is currently working for a global consulting company focusing in the areas of risk and safety. His work has given him opportunities all around the world and engaged in projects across Australia, Singapore, Malaysia, the UK, and even Qatar. For all aspiring engineers out there who really want to understand what are some of the opportunities a career in engineering can do, this is the episode for you. All right, we're back. Really excited to have this episode with Jack. How's everything going? Man, it's been going really good. Thanks for having me. Finally, I'm excited. We're very excited because we got some great questions for you asked by students about your field of engineering and specifically as a chemical engineer. But before we jump into those questions, I do this with all my guests. I want to ask a very personal question. I'll take you back to school, a young, smaller Jack thinking about the world. What's he going to do? What was the dream? What was the childhood dream for yourself? Well, I think for me, I'd I didn't even have that big of a dream. I was sort of like, well, I just want to do something that will make me, I guess, be successful or just like, you know, not be a failure, that sort of thing. You t- you know, you have those, your parents being like, you got to study and do all these sort of things. I think I was just trying to pick something that would just get me through and like what I think was a good idea, but I didn't even really have these aspirations of like, I want to be this, I will create something like that. I'm like, I just want to do something that'll be good. And engineering was the answer for you. And engineering was what, it was what I picked. And I think I'm really happy with that, to be honest. Fantastic. And- Jumping into our top questions now asked by students when it comes to pursuing a role of an engineer, the first question that we have for you is how did you decide what field of engineering you wanted to pursue? So I was one, very good at chemistry. So I decided to pick, that was a big part of that. I was really good at chemistry. So then I was like, I'm going to do chemical engineering. It also, for me, was a lot of I'd heard it was this process thing, you know, process engineering. And there's all like, it's, yeah, as I said, figuring out how systems work and the overarching thing. So for me, that was quite interesting. Funnily enough, I did chemical engineering and found out there's not much chemistry in chemical engineering. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yes. Is that a shock as well? Yeah. That was definitely a shock. You did like a first year chemical engineering unit, like chemistry unit that was actually like in the lab doing those sort of things. Mm. After that, it becomes very much based on that process stuff. And you realize it's a lot more thermodynamics and how one fluid gets from this side to the other side, pressures, thermodynamics, and these sort of things, which I didn't really have much of an idea about when I was younger. I just like, I do chemistry and this is fun. And <laughs> okay. I like it. Yeah. So that was quite funny. If you think it's going to be like chemistry in the lab sort of stuff, it's not really. It's more like process stuff, which actually I found that I really enjoyed. Mm. But mm. that was a bit of a, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. fair play. And you played to your strengths and it ended up, that was your decision, your criteria for Selecting chemical engineering, that's pretty interesting stuff. Next question that we have for you asked by students is, how did you know engineering was right for you? And as I said, you've already touched upon this a little Mm -hmm. bit about, you know, working to your strengths and picking engineering. But was there a point where you just realized, hey, this is actually perfect for me? I feel like the first couple of years, you're all, you're finding your feet still and you're like, oh no, this is all right. This is cool. But then some things might be a bit boring or might be a bit of a slog. And you're sort of like, oh, is this really right for me? But I think by the time that I was in my post-grad and I was doing 
my last two years in the postgrad, that's when it really clicked for me. I started actually really understanding a lot more stuff. I did my design projects and things like that, which were much more like hands-on, big project of designing a, a whole ammonia production facility. And for that, I was really interested to that, in that. I actually was getting more of an understanding. Mm. And it's almost like you need three years to start understanding it all. And then it all starts clicking. And then I'm like, actually, no, I really enjoy this because you start getting better at it. Yeah. But that three years, as you said, mm. you're going and just learning the basics, the fundamentals, the yep. toolkits. That is also a difficult process for many people to mm. realise, oh, is this really right for me? Because at some point you might think, hey, I'm not sure if this is right for me. Mm. So maybe what's your advice to some of them, maybe get through that period? I, I mean, the funny thing is, is I feel like the, what you end up doing in the actual job itself isn't even representative of those first three years. That is when you are learning these basic fundamental skills, which has really got stuff that you're really not going to do all that much of almost when you get to the job. You just have to learn this stuff to get the understand, like understanding mechanics behind all of these things. And then you can start applying it to projects and things like that. But those two to three years, you have to sort of give it that time to let yourself go into it and don't expect that it's just going to all come together really fast. I think if you don't have any expectations for it to do that and you just commit to it, it will sort of start coming up. I don't think that during those three years did I wasn't like oh my god I hate this it was more just like oh this is some of this stuff is really hard but if you can see yourself getting better and better and improving slowly it's always little bits and you go oh no I'm actually a lot better than I was last year and that sort of stuff you're looking at don't look at oh god I don't understand all these things right now but just look at yourself six months ago and you might be like actually I've done a lot better than what I was then Mm. and I'm slowly improving and that that keeps gives you motivation to keep going Really good advice. Really, really good advice because that will help a lot of students actually get through those pivotal years. Just mm. being probably a little bit reflective of what is happening and knowing that making progress, as you said, 100%. even small bits is so important. I know. And it, people like to look at themselves and then and then go, oh, here's, you know, my colleagues or other people that I know and they're doing, oh, they're good. They're, so, they're doing all this stuff. They're so amazing. But then you're comparing yourself yeah. to somebody else that's not you. Mm. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to somebody else. But absolutely. Moving on to the next question that we have for you. Did you have a backup plan? Not particularly. I love the silence. Definitely, definitely <laughs> didn't. Like, especially like going in year 12 going, yes, I've picked engineering to go do the thing. I, I think I just sort of stuck with it. I didn't really have a second plan. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But Jack, I'm knowing you, I know you have a lot of different skills. Do you ever consider any other, just any other career path of kind of touched your curiosity? Yeah, I think, to be honest, actually, I did actually think about medicine for a bit there. I, that was some of the stuff that did interest me a lot. That was when I was younger. Funnily enough, nowadays, because I really enjoy like cooking and baking and stuff like that, I was like, oh, maybe I could have also been like a chef or done something like that, worked more with my hands. And like, I do enjoy that sort of, that's I do enjoy cooking and all these things. I'm like, maybe I could have made something with that, which is really only something that stuff, something I've started doing, you know, in the last like three or four years. At different stages of your life, I think we will uncover mm where we might be interested in pursuing different passions, right? And as I said, uh, engineering is one. Uh, Being a chef could be another in the near future, but (laughs) it's always nice to be open about all these kind of different possibilities. And I think for people listening out there, you do not need to be fixated Mm. on one specific career path and one specific mindset of pursuing a career. Oh, 100%. And I've said it before as well about like the extracurricular sort of stuff, those just learning new skills and just taking on opportunities where they come up to. Who knows what they're going to lead to? It doesn't matter about this whole career thing. Life is much bigger than the career itself and having experiences and doing those things is really important. Absolutely valuable advice there. 
Moving on to our next question. Is studying engineering in university hard? Some parts of it, definitely. (laughs) There's certain subjects, and as chemical engineers specifically, you do a lot of thermodynamic work. There's a lot of physics-based stuff and math stuff that, like, makes sense to you. It just naturally makes sense. And you're like, once you learn it, you're kind of like, okay, that makes sense. So that is hard. But also it can be, it's quite rewarding in what you are actually learning. And it is really the fundamentals of a lot of how the world works. So it's also very interesting, but that was definitely hard. Yeah. (laughs) And then being certain stages of your degree, quite hard. How did you deal with it? What was the process for you to overcome that difficulty? Did you get support outside, Mm. you know, university? Did you go through your peers? Did you go through, what was the mechanism Mm. for you to get through those really difficult units that you're talking about? A hundred percent. To be honest, for me, the, the one answer is just like consistently studying and working at it and actually making instead of just trying to cram things and that sort of stuff. For me, I just needed to have a routine of like, I would, you know, go to university, do the study, especially around exam time. I was always there earlier than most people because I'm not very good at doing the 12 hour day study, cram it all in together. I can't do that. I'm not, I do the eight hours and I'm like, I can't do anymore. I want to go home and have my chill out. And I just extend all the timing and I start everything early and all that sort of stuff. For me, that really helps doing it in slow increments. And then once you're just building up slowly, slowly, instead of having, oh my God, I have to do all of these things all at once and I have to learn all these things. It's like, no, I'm going to give myself the time. There's no pressure here. I can just learn it and just spend a good amount of time learning it. And then I wasn't freaking out for exams. Also a healthier way of approaching it, I think, progressively loading is a very important skill, but where'd you get that from? Who taught you that? How can someone develop that? Because it's, very easy to leave everything to the last minute. 100%. It totally is. And look, when, you know, and when I was in like, you know, year nine and 10, like that really only came around, you know, maybe end of year 10, 11, 12 kind of thing. That was when it really, I actually started building it. For me, it's just was consistently being like, I'm going to go home and I have a window of which I study in mm. and do the work. And I just go from this time to this time and I study and have like some breaks in the between, but it's, a constant, consistent thing. And then you just get used to going, oh, I'm I'm now used to just doing the work every day instead Mm -hmm. of, uh, well, I won't do anything for two days and then I'll do three hours on Thursday. It's like, now that I'm just consistently doing it, it's like, oh, it's just a part of my routine and this is what I do. And you get used to going like, yep, for the exams, I get all the practice ones out. I do them for a little bit and I go through instead of going like, oh no, I need to finish them all at once. My dad definitely, when I first was in like year nine and 10, he was like, you will sit down and study because you need to like get into university. And that's really important, which, you know, at the time you're like, oh my God, dad, why are you making me do all these things? But then I realized that that also forced me to build habits in actually studying. And I know I met a a lot of my friends and people that I met in university had not built study habits. Yeah. No. And once again, very valuable advice, building habits, really good habits. And I think, as I said, it worked for you. It's a process that many people can adopt and it definitely helps. Moving on to the next question we have is how did you find a job once you graduated? So funnily enough, I graduated in the middle of COVID. So when I graduated, I'd applied to a bunch of graduate programs, sort of, you know, all the classics, Woodside, BHP, you know, all the, you know, consultant firms, you know, and I applied, did all the graduate thing. And I'd already gone through a lot of this process with the internship processes, which are very similar, but pretty much most of the places that I actually applied for were like, we're not taking grads this year because it's COVID. (laughs) So they just didn't. And I was like, well, I don't have a job. So I I ended 
at university and then for like two or three months I didn't have a job and I was just trying to find one I even had an internship with GHD and then they were like we're not taking anybody and actually the team that I had the internship got disbanded anyway so I was just like I don't really know what to do just applying for things and trying to figure it out I applied and had an interview with West Farmers but it was for an internship because I was like oh, I'm going to try and get in some other way but I just managed to luck out and my friend Allison from university who's she's an absolute gun she had a work colleague that worked in her team and then moved to Aberyst Consulting, which is the place I work now. And they were looking for grads. And she was just like, oh, he's just asked. And I was like, okay. And then just like sent me through emails of Robin, the boss. And I just was like, hey, I'm looking for this. And then I literally just like met the team a week later and had a job. <laughs> so it was just all of a sudden it was like, oh, wow. I guess the, I mean, not specifically nepotism, but you know, like one of those things of your, your network and friends, you just, that it opportunity came up, which was, I feel so grateful for that situation. Unbelievable. And uh, what a difficult time that would have been for yourself, but power of networking, power you know, of the, power of, the power of your close friends and contacts and that leading you to a job, which I know from our previous discussions, you are very happy where yeah. you're at at the moment. I definitely yeah. am. Yeah. Smaller company, they really care about people that work for them and they do a lot of cultural things and the way I think they run it is really nice. Fantastic. I think it's encouraging for listeners out there that you need to look at more than one option and definitely a strong point would be actually reaching out to your close friends and contacts. 100%. I mean, another anecdote for that is recently, just right now, my cousin is also doing chemical engineering and he messaged me just out of the blue being like, oh, I've been trying to find an internship and I can't. Like, would I be able to like finesse something with your place? And I was like, oh yeah, I can send through his emails for, you know, my boss just send through your thing and figure it out. And I saw that Steve got back to him being like, oh yeah, we do need scribes. Like, you know, maybe we can like work something out. And I think they might even be meeting. You know what I mean? That's just a cousin through a friend. He's like, hey, can you help me out? And he might be able to get some internship experience. So that's great. Great to hear. Really great to hear. Moving on to our next question asked by students is how much is applied what you've learned in university to the real world? You've kind of already touched upon this, but if you can give a little bit more detail with the current position you work right now and looking back on some of the studies you had to go through. I use more of what I learned at university than I almost expected because I know a lot of also people say you almost don't use a lot of it. Funnily enough, I went into risk and safety, which we do one unit that's on risk and safety and I think it's in third year but you only do one and you kind of forget it exists <laughs> you know you do it you do a pretend has op and then that's that and then all of a sudden I was like do it I was like oh, I'm in risk and safety I kind of like completely forgot that this even exists and now I'm just doing it and that's the only thing my company does but I actually really enjoy it we did actually you learn about has ops I mean a lot of those sort of things and like even just PID work and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. you do a lot of that stuff in design and things like that and what it has ops and PIDs just for listeners out there uh, hazard and operability uh, like workshop it's basically you run through the drawings of a, of a system and you figure out all the ways it could explode to an extent. Wow. And so, and you basically are doing a, a risk and safety like a workshop on it to make sure that the design is appropriate and is safe. So those sort of things we did learn in university, but it was only a little bit, but there's a lot of general stuff like PNIDs and I think things that are very core to like what process engineering is, which I learned in the last two years in the design units and stuff like that. It's a couple of key units that those are pivotal and mainly the design unit is really important. You learn a lot through that. And a lot of that is really applicable to what you're doing in the job. Excellent. So you answered the question is it is applied more than you thought, which is really good for those who are studying 
any cause, it's always good to pay attention because you never know where it could lead you in terms of the job that you might find yourself in industry in. Yeah. 100%. And the funny thing is, is there was lots of uh, things I learned in there that were not used, <laughs> but there was just some key things that were definitely used. <laughs> definitely used. Yeah. Next question yep. that we have. One of our most popular questions that we get, and it's mm. all about salary. <laughs> all about salary. So the question is, what is the salary range when you are starting out in your field and really how far can it go? So this is always prefaced on the question of where you actually end up getting a job because there's two, I would say, there's two sets of banding of what you can be uh, paid. If you work in consultancy, it's going to be lower. And if you work as for the operator, it's going to be higher. And so if you're working for like Woodside, BHP, uh, the people that actually own the assets produce, you know, oil and I work in oil and gas mainly in mining. You work in oil and gas Actually, as an operator, I know at Woodside, you're expected to start out at a graduate position based on 100K, mm. but I started out my graduate position at 65K. Mm. So I would say 65 is probably on for a consulting starting is pretty medium, pretty, yeah. pretty all that's pretty average, might go up a little bit higher, mm. but not much, maybe max 70 for graduate starting for a consultancy. But yeah, you're going to be sitting around that sort of 90 to 100K if you started any of the big guys, mm. maybe also does depend on where you are, but mm. I would say in that range, then depending on what you end up doing, obviously it can get up to, you know, to, if you go offshore and you all of a sudden you're a TA, this one thing, you know, very specialized, you can get up, get up very high. Mm. I actually don't really know what the ceiling looks like as much in consulting. And I know it is, it can get pretty high, especially if you're, you know, principal consultant, you're doing workshops, things like that. You can obviously make a lot more money, but. Was salary a big factor in terms of understanding where you want to go? Look, I think it's funny. Also, the place that's going to give you the biggest salary is also the place that is, has the most prestige. You know what I mean? Everyone wants to go. When I was at university and you're leaving, everybody wants to work for the operator because that's where you make the most money. And it's like, wow, I work for Woodside. I work for BHP. It's one of those things. After joining a small firm that like, I've actually realized a lot of the really massive benefits that I had no idea what I would ever you know get because you are actually more like, you know, interacting with the higher ups and stuff like that. And you're right there and you're more of actually like a person. And I don't know, I think I definitely really, I, you know, I applied to all of the operators. I tried to do that, but I didn't manage to get it. I did an internship with BHP as my first internship in at the Kalgoorlie nickel smelter, which was quite funny. That was a good experience actually. If you can get to site, I think site is also a really good experience for like internships because it really, you learn a lot. But I tried to apply for all of those. And then the way I got a job, I didn't, you know, even apply for it. So (laughs) (laughs) how it worked out in the end. Really appreciate your honesty on this because, yeah, it's very common for people to look at all the top big Mm -hmm. firms and see like how I can get a job there. But there is untapped area of experiences that you can actually have in working in small, medium enterprises, right? And that's where there's not enough awareness about. So to hear that your experience has been so positive once again, it's great to hear. 100%. Really great to hear. Thank you. Next question. And I think this follows on really nicely. What keeps you motivated on the job? Motivated is kind of, if I'm getting the new work that I'm really interested in, I'm definitely motivated for that. There's a lot of, we do a a wide range of stuff, but it is all safety. And there is lots of things like, we have do fire risk assessments and these sort of like safety studies type stuff, which actually requires using software to calculate fires coming out of a pipeline and all this sort of thing. And that's very, 
hands-on physical world engineering stuff. And for me, very interesting. I love that. And just out of curiosity, what's the kind of team dynamics? What's the kind of environment that you work in? How is that working with some of the colleagues and people that you have Mm. in your workplace right now? Well, and that's also one thing I definitely will say my workplace is also keeps me motivated because it is so sort of, it's quite chill. Uh, Funnily enough, right now, I'm actually uh, very soon, I will be moving to Edinburgh for a year or two with the company. And I basically just asked if I could do that. And they were like, yeah, you can do it. So the fact that they give a lot of opportunities and it is quite lax and they actually appreciate you and and respect like, you know, who you are as a person definitely helps. Great, great to hear. And once again, very important coming back to the fact that these kinds of opportunities are also possible in small, medium enterprise companies where opportunities for travel, good work colleagues, uh, flexible environments, and yet still doing great work that you're passionate and motivated on, which is great. Last question that we have for you asked by students, Jack, is do you plan to be an engineer for the rest of your career? (laughs) For the rest of my life. rest of your life. I'd love to say that I had a plan for the next 50 years, but I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I plan to the fact that I'm even going to Edinburgh like I mean that was the biggest plan probably that I'd made in a very long time because I'd you know, planned it a year in advance but really past a couple of years I'm really not sure what I'll be doing at all and I don't actually I want to make plans to make sure that I'm trying to get the best opportunities that I can and learn as much as I can on the job and make sure that I'm not falling into a rut and all of these sort of things but in terms of I don't feel like I need either be an engineer or be in one specific thing. I just want to take opportunities as they can. I want to be open to them. And then I feel like that gives me the best opportunity to do the best in my life kind of thing. Don't really, I'm not sure. Maybe I will be, but I probably will be. I do like engineering. (laughs) Great advice, Jack. And that wraps up all the questions that we have for you today. For our listeners who have more questions for Jack that did not feature on our list and would like to connect with him, just visit our website, careerview.com.au. This is where you'll find Jack's profile. You can even send him more questions, which I'm sure he'll be happy to answer. And with every episode, don't forget to submit questions that you want to know, especially to young professionals who have been there and done that and can share their story. One last thing is that, Jack, I want to understand what has engineering done for you and Is there any advice you can give to anyone who's interested in this field? All I can say is that I think engineering does provide you a lot of opportunities. Out of all of the degrees that you could do that you might not use, I actually think engineering is probably one of the best ones. And there's, you know, I was even listening to a podcast recently and the guy won a Nobel Prize in economics, but he was an engineer before. (laughs) And all of these people that somehow manages to find its way into all these different things that you wouldn't expect. And I think it gives you a lot of life skills and it's, think it would be a good thing to do. (laughs) Jack, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much, Neri.